0: Today we're studying hard work. Hard work. So I dressed for the part. And I want you to know I've already gotten some compliments on my outfit today. So I'm going to explain each component as it inspires you to be hard workers. It all starts with the shoes. These are Brett Hoban shoes. He's a rugged pilot. These pants... I saw guys on Jason Francis' crew once wearing rugged pants like these. So these are work pants. If you know Aaron Walling, he's got this exact shirt. He's a very hard worker. I stopped shaving about a week ago so I could grow this like Sean Harrington. (laughs) And I'm wearing my work cologne. Kyle Graw has this theory that there are different colognes that are appropriate at different times. (laughs) I went with the less sweet, as he calls it, of the colognes to be rugged. So hard work, or battle stations as we call it. This was a very, very, very convicting study. I've been doing this study probably for the last year or so, and I've learned some what I think are pretty remarkable things about hard work. And so we're going to touch on those and talk about those. The other thing that I found was this is a very, very challenging study. And there will probably be a couple of points at least during the next 45 minutes where you will hate my guts because it's so challenging. Just remember, don't shoot the messenger. But in sincerity, this is, this is tough, tough stuff. This uh, comes right down to the core. We talked in the past about opposing the flesh, opposing the world, opposing the devil. This is a major battleground where all three of those influences will want to attack you and discredit the work that you do for God. So be ready. Three concepts, hard work, careers, and teamwork. These will be sprinkled throughout, so watch for those. The the big challenge today is is as you go away from here, seek how God would have you hone and shape your, your work ethic. Many of you are extremely hard workers. Keep it up. Keep growing in that. Uh, don't be discouraged. Be challenged. Be encouraged. Be uh, empowered to move ahead and work even harder for God. Father, we need Your help in this. We know that anything profitable from this time comes from Your Spirit working in us and through us. Nothing from the world or ourselves or the devil will have any any good part of this. It's all You, Lord. And so we pray that each word would be led by the Spirit and each response in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here, would be led by Your Spirit. We trust You and we love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Battle stations. I was looking at some uh, different reminders of other messages. Don't forget the theme is the reality that we are at war. We are at war. And we can't rest for a minute. And as I was studying the different roles of soldiers at war, I realized that in addition... Uh, in addition to the main battle, that there's still a life of the soldier that involves constant commitment and dedication. So don't lose sight for a second of our, our key verse, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And in today's world, one of the hardships that we have to suffer is the nose to the grindstone, so to speak we have to wrestle because of the curse of sin with the reality that work is exactly that. It's work. It's tough. It's strenuous. It ain't easy, as some would say. So it's important that we we're faithful in this effort. Here are some pictures. I bring this up because soldiers, again, have the main battle. And while I'm told the battlefield is anything but but glamorous, there's a certain... Uh, mystique maybe not even be the right thing, but there's a certain focus uh, of honor given to the battlefield, you know, valiant in battle. But remember, for every battle that's waging, there's, there's preparation that was done ahead of it. Here's three different pictures of soldiers preparing either for a battle or doing other parts of the, the work of a soldier. Digging trenches was a huge role, a huge point of work. Uh, repairing infrastructure to help a a country or a community following a battle. Uh, All kinds of different things. There's engineers. There's all kinds of work that needs to be done. And while the battle is where our attention is drawn, let me bring this full circle, we think about the spiritual warfare. We think about the spiritual ministry that each of us seeks to do day to day. But what we lose sight of often is that the work is just as important for honoring God and in a society, even a Christian society, where the ministry is glamorized a little bit, don't forget that it is just as honoring to God to work hard in the trenches. It is just as glorifying and honoring to God to be incredibly hard workers. We're all involved in ministry. We're all full-time ministers as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And every one of us has a work, a nose to the grindstone, a less glamorous part of life that we need to give our all and dig in and get it done. That's pretty much the whole concept of today. We're called to work hard. Look at Deuteronomy 5 with me. Deuteronomy 5. And I'll just read this part, but keep your finger in that part of the Scripture. We're coming back to it. You are to work and do all your tasks in six days. You're to work and do all your tasks in six days. Now the next part of that verse, or actually verse 14, is usually the one we focus on, right? What's verse 14 say? But on the seventh day, rest. We love that verse. And even though we're not very good at resting, that's oftentimes the focus. But don't lose sight of 13. Work hard. And do all your tasks in six days. And the challenge this morning is how faithfully are we working hard? And how well are we completing the tasks that God Himself has given us to do in those six day time, that six day time frame each week? It was very challenging to me. I love the idea of rest. Not a big fan of a six-day work week. And we're going to flesh that out exactly what that's talking about. But that's what God asks. Work hard. Accomplish what He's laid out for us to accomplish. And then look at Ephesians 6.5, another unpopular group of verses. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not like those who do their work only when someone is watching as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. I'm mighty glad we don't wrestle with slavery, but I know that there's concepts of hard work that God was teaching those slaves that we need to learn. Here's the second big challenge, big theme, that our effort in work, our consistency in work, should be done as to Christ. It's Christ that we serve. And while almost every one of us has some sort of supervisor or overseer, we work to honor Christ. And the harder part of this is the motive. The motive. Sam and I have talked about how growing up it was, it was a challenge for our parents to motivate us to do our very best. And I can remember many a discussion in uh, my dad's bedroom talking about needing to work harder, needing to fulfill more um, What do you call that? Potential. And it was tough. Sam and I have talked. It was tough to get our young selves to to do our very, very best, to give it 100%. And I would suggest that we struggle with that big time. Big time. Again, our culture would set the standard of just skate, do enough to get by, right? Just do enough to pass. Make sure you get that paycheck and then, then you're good to go. God would say differently. God would say that our hard work is a reflection of our care and love for our Savior Christ Jesus because we are slaves of Christ. And our an employer is simply a steward of helping us along that hard-working, uh, diligent effort that Christ would demand of us. So some tough stuff. Let's break it down. Let's get into it and seek to uh, get some guidance. There's three main things here about the origin of work. And over the last year or so, this has been sort of revolutionary to me. One, we'll see that God sets the example for work. Two, we'll see that God created us for work. You buy that? And three, marriage involves work at its very formation. Not just work in the marriage, we know that, but working together as a team. So these are the three different points for us to understand a very, very big concept that it probably wasn't until a year and a half ago that really clicked with me. Work is not evil. Work is not a result of sin. As hard as it is, I was thinking, oh man, I, just, I wish that the fall would have never happened so I didn't have to work. As I've studied and we'll see, work was not from the fall. Work was from God Himself. Let's dig into it. Turn to Genesis 2 with me, please. It's a big day for me. Instead of my Princess Bible and the others, I'm going all digital. So be patient. Genesis 2, although I just beat you. I just want you to know. Everybody else there ready to read? Genesis 2, God's example of work. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. How many days did God work in the creation of the universe? That was week. How many? Six days he worked. And on the seventh, he chose to rest. Can you imagine the God of the universe? Unlimited power. Did he need to rest? Not a bit. You're right. Not a bit. Why did he rest? He was A, showing that in part of his nature, part of who he is, is a worker. But for us, he set an example that work is completely appropriate for six good hard days but in our frailty He understands that we do need a day of rest. But don't miss the significance. Who ordained work? God Himself. And if you want to be like God, which we're made in the image of God, aren't we? That involves hard work. A soldier of Jesus Christ should be characterized by many other things, characterized by hard work, diligence, faithfulness, consistency, Very eye-opening to me that work was not because of the sin. Work was because it is God's nature to work and He wants His creatures to follow Him in that work. Look at verse 4. You were created to work. Now the bigger picture we know is you were created to glorify God, right? But look at verse 4 in Genesis 2. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being." The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. Look at verse 12. And the gold of the land is good. Verse 13. The name of the second river... Verse 14. I'm skipping the river part if you haven't noticed that. 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Why was man formed? To work. To work for God. And Adam's first role was to tend the garden and to keep it. This is powerful, this is significant. And maybe you've known this for years and years, but I have been so focused on the, the battlefield part of it, the glamorous part of it, the ministry, that I didn't fully understand that the work was in fact the first role that God gave man to accomplish. And it shaped my perspective and helped my perspective to go to work each day understanding that this is not a necessary evil. This is not the byproduct of a life seeking to honor God. This is God's intention for those made in His image. When you go to work, that is your opportunity to fulfill God's design for you. Work is not this necessary evil to put bacon on the table. Work is a part of a fulfillment of you glorifying Almighty God. This was helpful in my perspective and I hope that it will shape your perspective too because going forward, we need to realize then if God created us for work, think about how much our ability to glorify Him depends on our work. If you want to look for a way to please God, if you want to look for a starting point to please God, start by being a hard worker. As I'll flesh out later, I'm not saying give yourself to the job 24-7. God is the God of balance and He's designed a priority and a balance. And there's hard work in marriage. And there's hard work in parenting. And there's hard work in this church family supporting each other. But there's hard work at the office too. And all of them need to be done for God's glory. So man was created to work. Marriage was created to mirror God's relationship, but a big part of marriage was to better equip us to work. Take a look at Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Kyle quotes this verse to me all the time. It's not good for man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh." And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Verse 24, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. Be joined to his wife. For what purpose? Well, for several purposes, but among them, a more effective work team. A more effective work team. Go back a few verses. Adam had a tall role, a a steep expectation from God. He was to tend the garden. He was to have dominion over every beast of the earth. That was a big, big job. Couldn't do it alone. What did God say? God, You need a helper suitable for You. And He created woman. If we are blessed to be married, husband and wife, we have an opportunity to be a far better team for God than alone. And we need to understand that at the heart of that teamwork, even as some of you start that teamwork, don't forget, don't lose sight that you were designed for work, for hard work, to glorify God. Let's break it down a little bit. There is one word I wanted to clarify. I didn't, I'm learning to be more of a, a scholar of the original language like Matthew and others, but bear with me on it. There's a word, helper, helper, It's important to note that when God says that the woman would be a helper for man, there's nothing inferior about that word. In fact, it's a similar word used of the Holy Spirit helping us. Now, is the Holy Spirit in any way subservient to us or, or less important to us? Not a bit. In fact, way more important. But it's this concept of teamwork, support, giving us something that we can't have on our own enabling us to do a role at a more fuller level that we couldn't do on our own. That's the helper word here. That's the helper concept. And so we need to lay it out right from the beginning that even though culture in the past has done a terrible job of recognizing the importance of the women among us, God recognizes it. We need to recognize it. That if you are in a husband-wife teamwork There are different roles and we know that the man will answer directly to God for leadership in the household, but there are not a one and a two. There's an equality of value and that's really important. And you need to understand that as a man and as a woman, you each have just as much to honor God with work. That's very important. So, where does work come from? It comes from God Himself. It's part of His nature and His role. We were created with the purpose of work. And marriage, although it has many purposes, among the top of those is to better work, to be a harder worker, to be a more effective team. Let those three concepts sort of shape your understanding. How are we to work? How are we to work? First of all, we've got to work diligently and wholeheartedly. Diligently and wholeheartedly. Look back at Ephesians 6 with me. Don't lose sight of this because every single day that you uh, rise to work, whether that be at the office, whether that be at home, whether that be out in the field, work has to be done diligently. And wholeheartedly. Verse 5 again. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men. Every day you work, do you do it wholeheartedly to God? When the office manager walks by, do your fingers type a little faster? Do you sit up a little straighter? Do you pick up the diligence a little? Well, let me give you the stark reality. The owner is watching at all times and he wants to see that diligence. He wants to see that faithfulness. You can pull a fast one on the boss every day of the week and that's of the flesh, that's of the world, and that's of the devil if we're going to be faithful soldiers of Jesus Christ, we will work just as hard in private as we will in public. And that's tough. Turn the table for a minute with me. Head to the doctor's office. How much effort do you want from your doctor? Head to the surgery room. You're out, right? You're not paying attention at that given point. How much effort do you want from that surgeon? Well, you're being ridiculous, KT. Of course I'm being ridiculous because the reality is is that when we're expecting work from others, we want their top effort. We want their full concentration and focus. But when it turns the table and it's me working or you working, that can slip. We can struggle with that. And it's sad, but we as a Christian culture, in my opinion at times have developed this false impression that ministry is what's most important and my work is just sort of a necessary evil to put food on the table. Not the case. Not the case. Our work honors God Almighty. And when we get to heaven and we're, we hope to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, I'm convinced now more than ever that my effort and my work and my diligence will be among that key key evaluation. Work diligently, work wholeheartedly. Look at Second Thessalonians. We've got to work consistently with discipline. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter three. We live in a society where a 30-year veteran of a given career or job is becoming more and more of a minority. We've got a lot of turnover in our workforce. But something that, that has been lost along with that consistency is discipline to constantly work hard. We understand that we live in uh, unique times economically and in the workforce. We understand that there's there's oftentimes something that happens that you can't control, that you're forced out of a current job and into the world of uh, ambiguity. What should I do next? Where should I find work after that? But we can't lose sight of a very biblical concept that whether we are in between jobs or whether we're working in our current job, I think it will help shape our work ethic. 6. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren... Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. We live in a society where too many people wallow in unemployment sometimes, wallow in uh, a lack of fulfillment in their job, and overall wallow in our own... Disobedience to this challenge that we need to work hard. And let me put a challenge out there. Again, know that, I, that it comes from love. I'm not always the best at how I say things, so understand this comes from love. But if we're going to honor God, we need to be willing to work in any ethical way at whatever role is in front of us. If I lose my job tomorrow, I better be willing to apply at McDonald's and Hardee's and all these other less glamorous places so that I can work to honor God and support my family and myself. There's an epidemic of required fulfillment in the job site. That in order for me to work hard, I really have to have the most fulfilling job. That's not the case. That's not the case. It's not a a required uh, part of working hard for God. And I pray that God leads you as He has me to a more and more and more fulfilling career. I pray that God will lead you to be able to find work that fits you like a glove where your strengths are emphasized and you're finding fulfillment in what you do. But that's not a requirement for your hard work. And you need to work hard wherever you're at. And there's a serious charge on the table that we do what it takes. Ethically and in honoring God, we do what it takes so that we can have bread on the table to eat. Do you see the directness of these verses? Now again, the context was for very noble purposes. The Thessalonians were seeking the Kingdom of God and they thought that Jesus was going to come back every second and for some reason they had thought that they could be more ready for Christ's return if they quit their jobs and wait Noble, right? Not God's intention. They are rebuked and challenged because even though they had this ministry in mind of seeking God's face, they were losing sight of the reality that they would need to be working hard now. And they're direct. Paul is direct. Josh read those verses about Paul saying if anybody could take confidence in the flesh, he could. I'd adapt it to this. If anybody could could say that he should be a full-time minister and not have to work. It would be Paul, right? And what does Paul do? Paul says, we worked hard night and day. What did he do? Yeah, he made tents. That's glamorous, isn't it? He sewed tents. And when did he sew them? At night. Right? After a long day of preaching the good news, got to go back to the, the, the tent to sew the tents. Serious hard work. Don't lose sight of the reality that God has called us to hard work. And wherever you're at, you I pray you're in the most fulfilling career you've ever had. But if you're not, work just as hard. Work just as hard. Your God requires that of you. And I've got a lot of admiration for many of you that do what it takes. I've been blessed to know you and hear that, you know what, you don't particularly love your job at the current moment. And yet you work hard. And I admire that. I respect that. Keep it up. Keep it up. God will be pleased with that. That was the easy part of this one. The hard part is the reality that your work does not stop at 5 p.m., that this diligent, hard work that God calls you to goes way beyond the office. It goes into your homes. And this to me is where the teamwork of a husband and wife is amplified the most. I don't know about you, but uh, unless you're Matthew with mandatory overtime, you probably have five days, and if you're Jason and probably some others, you have five days at the office, right? And you get two days out of the office, right? Right? So we should revise the translation of the Bible to say, in five days you shall work hard so two you can rest. Right? Not the case. Your hard work includes the rest of life. And a husband and wife team, both of you, need to be full, hard-working people. And there's different roles in that and i would suggest that again in our christian culture maybe we've oversimplified those roles and we've made even assumptions on those roles for instance we've some in our areas have said you know it is absolutely necessary for a wife and a mother to have no other employment except or no other employment except running the household and some have actually persecuted women who are working hard because of that, let me tell you, that is not of God. Is there an opportunity for a wife to have enormous effectiveness and partnering and help and effectiveness said effectiveness? In the home, absolutely there is, with parenting and being a wife. but it's not a given. It's not an entitlement. Likewise, men, if I put in a good, hard work week at the office, I am not entitled to go home and sit on my keister for the rest of the week. Work goes past 40 hours. Work goes into everything we do. And we need in this consistent and disciplined, one of the disciplines is to reject the stereotypes, reject the entitlement attitude. I worked hard all week. I can come home, sit on the couch while my wife continues to chase the four kids and work exceptionally hard. Not the case. Men, let me challenge you directly. Let's work hard even when we get home from the office if that's your role. Let's be willing to roll up our sleeves at home with just as much effort and passion that we do at the job site. Really enjoyed talking with Anna and Kevin as they prepare for their marriage. And they've got some very mature perspective on this whole thing of teamwork. And they've laid out some things that they're going to target and do that are very honorable. And a lot of them center around Kevin coming home and having fulfillment in serving Anna with additional work. And Anna likewise has some really refreshing ideas of the role of a a wife and a woman. Talk with them if you get a chance. I think you'll be pleased and blessed by their work ethic and their plans for setting up this partnership. Let me hash out probably a relationship that you know well. But look at let's look at a, a situation where a husband goes off to the office and a wife is uh, blessed to be entrusted with running the home, uh, caring for children, etc. If that's the role God's found you in, There's enormous opportunity for teamwork there. Now, I happen to believe that women are far better at many of those concepts than I am, but don't hear me saying that it's completely outside of the realm of possibility where a woman is supporting the home financially. I'm blessed to have Christy who put me through school. She worked extremely hard as a teacher while I was working hard in school to to get to the point where we were after that. There are some of your households that you're doing a great job of both working side by side and still raising your children to love God and honor God. That's excellent. That's excellent. Keep that up. And understand that you can complement each other and help each other in powerful, powerful ways. Uh, I'll use my own house as an example, not because we have arrived. We've got a ton to learn. But because I'm just so thankful... For Christie's hard work, and the example she sets for me, I'm very blessed to work with people on their retirement planning and insurance, but oftentimes it requires me to start work with them at around two two thirty and go till about nine o'clock at night. Not the ideal family schedule for many. so Christy has been willing to come alongside, and she we've adapted our whole schedule so that we can fulfill where God, we believe God has us um, in, in um, my work and in her work. And she's an incredibly hard worker. And she'll get up in the morning, we'll get up in the morning, and we'll spend the morning together as a family trying to work hard. She reminds me to work hard at home too a lot, which I appreciate. And then I go off to work and then the madness starts. Because I wouldn't see the kids if I left the. they left the house at 7.30 and I'd get home at 9.30 when they're already in bed. She's been willing to actually teach our kids in the home so that we can spend some family time together. And it's been great. It's been great, but it's hard work. And she balances the laundry, and she balances uh, caring for the house and caring for the kids and supporting my crazy schedule when we it all shifts the next week and we're doing something different at different times. But the reality is, is that work that she does is just as important, in many ways more important than the work I'm doing. And don't lose sight of that. So men, don't forget that when your 40 hours ends or whatever it would be, you've got great opportunity at home to continue the hard work. And We've got to get better at this. We've got to get better at this. If you study the fall, and I'd encourage you to look at the fall and the curse of man and the curse of woman, one of the outcomes of the fall, I'm convinced, for men was laziness. And many of you are not lazy. But I can tell you firsthand that laziness is a temptation for me and for many other men I know. Don't let it be so in this church family. We are not entitled to leisure. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ in the middle of battle, and that hard work has to characterize how we live as men and lead our families. Ladies... You have an enormous blessing whether you're working outside the home or in the home to work extremely hard. And some of you ladies are the hardest workers I know and I appreciate that. You have a unique situation in many times. If you're a man who's who's helping in the home while your wife is at work or if you're a woman who's working in the home while your husband's at work, the harder of those two is oftentimes the less structured work environment. And while I have employees that rely on my structure, while I have overseers that check up on my structure, those of you in the home, oftentimes you are the setter of structure. And there's few, if any, looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're being diligent in your work. So let me challenge you, and then dodge the rocks, but let me challenge you that you have to be efficient, diligent, and disciplined workers in the home as well. That household will fall apart without you. You are in many ways an anchor of the Lord's work through that family. And I would challenge you that you have to be structured and disciplined and faithful in how you go about your work. And while your husband or your wife, depending if your wife's coming home after a long day to support you or your husband's coming They've got to pitch in, but you understand that you are pivotal to the household honoring God as a team. And there's too many examples of where that lack of, a, of a, uh, organized accountability results in a lack of effectiveness and efficiency. Don't let that be your household. Don't let that be your household understand that just like when a guy when someone goes to the office and they do menial tasks that seem to not have any meaning in the big picture when you in the home do these straightforward tasks that don't appear to have this enormous meaning those are opportunities to glorify almighty god did you notice what adam's one of his first jobs was to do god brought the animals what was he supposed to do name them right how many animals were there to name? I understand that he got to be creative in all the rest, but that had to get old. How many thousands of names did he have to dish out? Work is not always glamorous. Work is not always, even before the fall, was not always you know, the ultimate. There was a disciplined routine that came with it. And men, let me challenge you to be routined and disciplined. Women, let me challenge you to be routined and disciplined. So vital if we're going to honor God with our hard work. Finally, work according to roles. I think we've talked on that, but 1 Timothy 5.8 talks a lot about that. Look there with me real quick. Some more of that kick in in the keister that we men need at times. If any believing man... I'm sorry. Where am I? Verse eighteen? No, verse eight, five, eight. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever, or infidel, as some say. This is the meaning from the challenge that I was given. This is the authority that if your role is the provider. Don't shirk that responsibility for one minute. Titus two five gives another challenge. Asking uh, the older women that they may be reverent in behavior. This is verse 3. Not slanders, given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, Obedient to all their own husbands, obedient to their own husbands, and the word of God may not be blasphemed. If your role is to be in the home, God calls you to hard work there. If your role is to provide, God calls you to hard work there. Don't rest for a minute. Work with balance. Work with balance. Um, there's enormous balance in courage in 1 Timothy 4. Turn there with me. Remember how I was saying that the ministry needs to be balanced with hard work? Don't lose sight of the ministry. And Timothy, who took his lead from Paul, was challenged in verse 11, "...these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity." Don't neglect the role of this Church family, you've got a spiritual gift, a reasonable act of service. And understand that hard work is balanced within that. That there's a place at the office to work hard. There's a place in the church to work hard. What does Deuteronomy say about parenting? When does parenting take place, Aaron? When you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you eat, right? When you're walking on the road, 24-7 parenting. Work hard and keep the proper balance that God would hold. It's easy for us to dive into external vocation and neglect those in the home. Don't do it. Be balanced. Proverbs 31, take a look at that. Proverbs 31 is an enormous example of balance and i'd encourage you to read through there and note that it is it is champion championing championing how do you say that life championing making a champion of championing, championing our women because of your opportunity they ran the home they honored their husbands they traded they were business women read it through all kinds of opportunity there don't ever let someone whittle down your role to, oh, I'm just a homemaker, whether you're male or female. It is a huge opportunity. And likewise, don't think that just because in your family you're the one uh, taking care of the household that you don't have responsibility to work hard on all these areas. So work with balance. Work with balance. This was from... Uh, For us, for we men, for we men. Here are all kinds of distractions for hard work. Now, does this look familiar to anyone? Pop showed this slide as distractions for being the husbands God would have us be. They're the same distractions for being the hard workers that God would have us be. We are addicted to leisure, whether it's sports or other building projects or TV. Leisure can have a place, but make it a servant to working hard for God. Likewise, there's a, there's a distraction with balance that it's possible to be a hard worker in one area, but an unfulfilled worker because we lack the balance. You can give yourself to the office and not work hard at home. Don't let it happen. These are potential distractions for us men The world, the flesh, and the devil would love to exploit our weakness and draw us away from hard work. There's other distractions too. We know that. Ladies, you may be distracted by some of these things also. Don't let it happen. God has called us to hard work. The uh, next one. List some other distractions. I won't characterize men or women because I think these are possible for all of us. But wherever you're at, don't let these things distract you from hard work. Technology is wonderful, but you can waste a lot of time on Facebook, my friends. Is that honoring to God? Shopping is is great. Can I say that? It's purposeful. It's needed. But again, we can get distracted. TV can be entertaining and has a purpose, I suppose, but we've got to be so careful that it's not a distraction fulfilling God's work. Texting and cell phones are tremendous help, but don't let them distract from God's work. I know that in my life too many times these two slides of distraction get in the way of fulfilling God's calling. Don't let it be the case in yours. Analyze your household. Analyze your effort. And really shape and hone your lives whether you're single or as a married couple to honor God and to to fulfill uh, the calling that He has for you to be a hard, hard worker. Thankfully, He promises to help And ultimately, we can take enormous courage, strength, encouragement with the reality that whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, do everything for the glory of God. You have the rare opportunity to choose to honor God. I was blessed to be at a Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin concert And he made the point that the stars and animals and everyone, they honor God. Why? Because they're designed to do it. You're the only being that has a choice of how much effort you're going to put in. And the opportunity is that if we buckle down and with everything that we have, seek to honor God, as a soldier, when you get in front of the commanding officer, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's a huge opportunity. Father, we trust You and we need Your help on this. We thank You so much that work is not a a necessary evil. We're thankful that we don't have to engage in work because of sin. Work is from You, God. Work is an opportunity to glorify You. I wonder if you're even more glorified when people aren't watching and we're working hard, Lord. We've got a chance, whether people are looking over the shoulder or not, to just do our very, very best Father, we thank You for the examples that so many of us have had of looking at this. We can look in our church family we can see hard, hard workers, men and women both. And we seek to learn from them. We seek to learn from Your Word. Lord, don't let this uh, fall and stop. Pray that we'd become more and more diligent in uh, working hard. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen. One... uh, Last thought for you to take as we uh, have uh, announcements. I challenge you this week, I challenge you to journal about how you use the time God has given you. I'd encourage you to make a, a list of hour increments, 15 increments, whatever it is. Start to put down on paper where God's time is spent. I've been doing that for two, three weeks now and I'm amazed at how much of God's time is being wasted uh, with the lack of hard work. So if you're looking for something fun this week, do that. And then share with me and share with your brothers and sisters what you found and even more importantly what the Spirit brought to your mind is how to serve God even more diligently.